Hey everyone, this is Ethan, your friend and host with the Level Up Kidman podcast, and we are so excited to continue to empower parents and pastors and children's ministry leaders to take their ministry to the next level. Um, we are so excited to be presenting episode five, and we're going to be doing something a little bit different than what we usually do. Uh, Dan Anderson is not with us today, however, he will be back in the next two weeks, but in the meantime, uh, we really wanted to share this sermon that the Lord laid on my heart um, this past week, and it's called Miracles When Heaven Touches Earth. When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Um, we really, really hope you enjoy this uh, message and feel free to continue to share it with everyone you know. Just know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you have a very, very blessed day. Take care. When heaven touches earth, when heaven touches us, hearts will be healed. The blind will see. The dead will be raised and storms will be calmed. Sins will be forgiven and the mountains will be moved. Through God, nothing is impossible when heaven touches earth. Let's pray. Father God, we pray over every single person in this room today, Father. Lord, we ask that we, we just invite your Holy Spirit to continue to flow in this place, Father. God, we pray as we're about to meddle in the enemy's work, Father God, that you would just wash over us, that you would guide us and direct us, and that you would prick our hearts, Father God. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, Father God. We ask that your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on the message as it is in heaven, Father God. Lord, I'm just simply a mouthpiece. And I ask that you would just guide my words, my thoughts, and my actions, Father God. And that you would allow us to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I am excited. I have been praying over this for so long. Because I'm ready to do some meddling. Aren't you? Now I am going to warn you. I might meddle a little bit in your life. But most of the meddling that I'm going to be doing. Is in Satan's business. Because I'm not scared of him. Are you scared of him? Now I will be transparent. Today we're going to be talking about. The reality of spiritual warfare. We're going to be talking about. How God defies all logic. We're going to be talking about how to protect yourself from spiritual warfare. And the miracles that can take place when heaven touches earth. So today I'd like to speak to your heart. Not to your mind. Honestly, it's a privilege and it's an honor to even be standing in front of you. It's a blessing. So don't kick me out. Don't tell Pastor Bob that I'm not allowed to speak anymore. Okay? All right? <laughs> I want to speak to your heart, not your head. And I'd like to ask everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes, because I want you to visualize your life. How many of you have ever gone through 
a difficult time? What about a moment in life where it felt like the whole world was crashing in? Where everything around you was falling apart? Maybe you felt hopeless. Maybe you felt misunderstood. Or maybe you felt unloved. Maybe you're here today and life has become a roller coaster. How many of you believe that life can be a roller coaster? That's the truth. Maybe you lost your job and your finances are crumbling. All right, I'm starting to meddle a little bit. Maybe someone near and dear to you passed away and you feel like you can't move on. I know what that feels like. I lost my papa earlier this year. And as I watched him take his last breath, I knew there was a peace that he was with our Heavenly Father. But for a brief moment, I was like, how am I supposed to move on without my papa? What about your marriage? Do you feel like it's slowly falling apart and you have no one to turn to? Or maybe you've made some wrong decisions in your life and given them to God, but you can't forgive yourself. Or maybe, just maybe, you've lied to yourself thinking, oh, everything's okay. Everything's fine. But in reality, you're drowning. If you're here today and you're going through a difficult time and you're waiting for your miracle, I want you to know that you are not alone. This season that you're going through is just that, a season. And with seasons come change. We may, listen to me church, we may have to endure the winter but this season in your life will change if you focus on the one who gave you life. You see, when I was eight years old, life was fine and dandy. My parents were fine. You know, my parents were together. My mama would tuck me in at night. And then there was a moment when everything came to an abrupt halt. I remember the first time, now leading up to this, over time out of nowhere, they would start arguing and fighting. They would start bickering. And as an eight-year-old, you're like, what's going on? Mommy and daddy were fine, but now they can't even stand to be in the same room with one another. They're yelling and screaming and fighting. And that's because the enemy took a stronghold in their life. And I remember the day that my parents came up to me and said, your mom and I are getting a divorce. My world shattered. And that was just the beginning of it. Now, I've never really told my testimony before, so this is the first time. So, shortly after that, the repercussions of the divorce started to kick in. I remember that 
we had to move into a different household. I moved to be with my mother and going to a different school without my daddy in the picture. And then all of a sudden, this new man came into my life. A man who I thought was trying to take my father's place. And I hated him. At first. So I'm living with my parent, my mom, and her new guy friend. And then my dad is off living by himself in his own apartment. And then I remember the day out of nowhere, my mom says, oh, you're going to go live with your dad. I, I had literally just gone back from school, and my stuff was being packed on his truck. It's like, oh, okay. So we moved in with my dad. And my dad raised me and my two sisters as a single father for years, doing all that he could, could do to take care of us. My mom and the other guy moved into another apartment. And whenever they did that, see, my dad couldn't have our family. Who, how many of you believe that, like, our pets are our family, right? They're our family. So we had this little dog that I picked out when I was four years old. His, her name was Casey. And because she couldn't be with the apartment that my dad was living in, my dad sent her to live with my papa, the one who passed away. And... I remember the day that I got a call that she had been hit by a car. So they're here. First, it was my parents' divorce, then little Casey. And that's when I noticed my life was starting to spiral into a downward depression. I would cry myself to sleep every single night. I felt hopeless, too. I felt like I couldn't move on. That's just the beginning of this tragic and traumatized story. So I'm going to try to be careful with my words because we've got some little ones in here. So I remember after all that happened, I was with my mom at her house. We're playing. We're going back and forth. And I was at my mom with her how, uh, at her house, and we got the call. This was all within like a year and a half, by the way. We get the call that hey, your grandma in Pennsylvania, she just passed away from cancer. She lost her battle. I'm like, cool. What else, Lord? Thanks. <laughs> I was never really bitter with God, but I was very confused. Granted, when you're a child, you don't know what's going on. So we had to go through that, had to go through the healing with that. And at this point, I had become very close, ironically, with the guy that my, dad, my, my mom was with. And I remember, come to find out, he was in the process of divorcing. Like, he was in the process. He was at the pretty much finalized the divorce. But obviously, and he was with my mom, but obviously he still had feelings for his now pretty much ex-wife. So I remember I'm sitting there and this guy out of nowhere says, I'm, I'm there, my mom's there. And this guy says, uh, and again, I'm close to this guy now at this point. He says, I have to go, uh, I have to, go to McDonald's. 
something like that. And um, my mom was like, cool, let me go with you. Well, right before this happened, we had just left. My, mom, my dad had just picked us up. And that's when everything changed for the worst. So come to find out, um, we had just left. My mom was trying to go with him. He pushed her out of the car because he was not going to McDonald's. He drives to his former house, where his now ex-wife is, and she had a guy friend over. So she was starting a relationship as well, a new relationship. And this is where I have to be very careful. I don't think I have any kiddos in here that can, like, really understand. So, come to find out, he went to this, to his old house, and this is trauma, so trigger warning. He always kept a gun and the console of his vehicle. I was always wondering why. I was like, why do you have, why do you have a gun? Just, this was before, like, you know, a lot of people had, like, handgun permits and stuff like that. So, I was like, why do you have a gun in your console? Oh, for protection. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, constitutional right, right? Um, he goes to this house, pulls out the gun, walks into the house. Oh, we've got Grant back there. He is okay. He kills the guy. And then his wife, ex-wife, comes running out the car or out of the house. This is all according to eyewitness reports. Screaming, trying to get help at... Sorry. I don't talk about this much. I keep it hidden. But it's part of my testimony. And there's power in the testimony. So he shoots his wife three times. Thankfully, she survived. Severely injured, obviously, but survived. Then he goes into his black firebird. He takes that gun and he commits suicide. So let's look at the timeline. Parents divorce. I lost Casey, my dog. My grandmother passed away. And now the man, who I finally was like, hey, you know, you're pretty cool. Does this. This sends my mother, because my mom, and mom, if you're watching this, I don't know if you are, but I love you. And this sends my mom into a downward spiral. She goes through intense depression, and I have to sit there and watch it. At this point, she's found another guy. She was trying to fill the hole. We've been there. And... There's a couple of scares. Hope this is okay to say. Because she's my mom. I don't want to share too much. But she also tried to take things in her own hands. You can see where I'm going. So she tried to. I remember several times I got the call. She was at the hospital. And she had borderline overdosed on medication. My mom was just lost. 
She didn't know what to do either. And for years, a few years after that, I fought and I wrestled with this darkness that the enemy tried his best to instill in our life. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, the apostle Peter tells us that we must be sober-minded, to be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, even at a younger age, Satan was prowling around in my life, seeking to devour the very purpose that the Lord placed on my life when I was knitted within my mother's womb. But let me tell you something, church. Satan may have tried, but he did not succeed. He did not. God brought me through it. You see, I could have easily, very easily been defeated at such a young age. I could have turned my back away <coughs> excuse me, from religion, from Christianity, from a relationship with God. I could have turned my back on it all. And I could have gone down a much, much darker path. But God brought me through it because he had a plan. You see, what Satan meant for evil, very evil, God used for good. And with it, the Lord instilled a heart of compassion in every single fiber of my being. Take that, Satan. <laughs> he changed. God changed my life. He drew me closer to him, and he started a spiritual fire to reach those who are in desperate need of our Savior. Because I saw how he changed my life around and became desperate to reach a world that's also lost, also dying. But here's the sad part. But unaware that our Savior is even an option. And it all started when God came from heaven to earth. To meet me where I was and turn my life around. Church, when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. When heaven touches earth, everything changes. When Jesus walks into the room, miracles can happen. Your circumstances can change. Your marriage and other relationships can be restored. Your sickness, guess what? It can vanish. And the dead can rise again. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, when I was at my old church, I got to tell you this quick story because it still baffles me. There was this man named Bobby. He was an elder in our church. He's still an elder. Amazing man. I remember the day we were doing worship. And I was up there playing my little keyboard. And all of a sudden he gets up to go to the bathroom. He drops on the floor. We had a nurse in the room. They run, checks his pulse. 
church, he was gone. No pulse. They call the paramedics, and I'm sitting there back here like, do I keep going? We got a dead man in the floor. And it's Bobby, Grandpa. We call him Grandpa. And I'm here freaking out, but at the same time, I'm like, went to the enemy's camp. And, uh, <laughs> and then I noticed they called the paramedics, and everybody in the church, you know what they did? They prayed over him. They laid hands on him. And I kid you not, church, he came back to life. He was, it was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. I'd heard about it in like third world countries and stuff or fourth world countries. Never right here in America. And that happened because God touched earth. Jesus walked into the room. And we had faith to say, Grandpa, live again in the name of Jesus. Live again in the name of Jesus. Shortly after that, a couple, about two years passed. And I noticed, and I I loved this man. His health was declining. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, this is the same man, by the way, who died and rose again. And the doctor said, Grandpa, Bobby, you've got cancer. And that was hard. Because he was like, I don't know what to do. He wrote, God rose me back to life, and now the enemy's trying to take me out again. What is this? I remember he came up to the altar. And we laid hands on that man. And I remember getting down there and I laid my hands on his forehead. And I said, and we had other people come up. I said, in the name of Jesus, cancer fall out of him. In the name of Jesus, Bobby, be healed. You're not going to believe what I have to say next. It's insane, in a good way. Thank you, Lord. We get a call two days later. Or was it that night? It was very, very, very shortly afterwards. And my pastor at the time said, pray because Grandpa passed out and he got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the, got to go, went to the bathroom in the middle of the night and he passed out on the floor. Pray for him. He woke up, didn't go to the hospital, because nobody was there, obviously. He woke up the next morning and started cleaning like crazy, like nothing had happened. He goes to the doctor a couple days later. Oh, shout out to see. He said, the doctor said, your cancer is gone. We don't know what happened. All we know it was there. And now it's not there. Church, that happened because Jesus walked into the room. Heaven touched earth. You see, when God comes from heaven to earth, your broken heart can be made whole. Your spirit can be restored. And that depression and that confusion can cease. And it all starts, everybody say it with me, when Jesus walks into the room. Hallelujah. Because he changes everything. 
What God can do for you, He's done before. In the scripture, we can see many different categories of miracles. We've got the healing, uh, the miracles of healing, like when Jesus healed the blind. We've got the miracles of provision, like when God provided manna and water to the children of who? Israel. And as they traveled to the promised land, or when Jesus turned water into wine. I'm sorry, the enemy's trying to take me out up here. Mm-mm. Back away, G- Satan. Back away. We got miracles of protection. Like when God protected Daniel in the lion's den. Could you imagine being thrown in a lion's den? No. I like lions, but I don't want to be that up close to them. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We've got the miracles of increase. Like when Jesus fed how many people? 5,000 with what? Yep, just a few fish and some loaves of bread. That's insane in a good way. (laughs) Then you've got miraculous signs like the burning bush that was consumed with fire, but God didn't let it actually burn. Then you've got the miracles of resurrection. What about when God brings dead people back to life? I mean, look at Lazarus. Look at Jesus himself. Brought the dead back to life. What about miracles of victory? Like when Jesus caused the walls of Jericho to fall. What about miracles of nature? Like when God sent a star to guide the wise men to Jesus. Or when Jesus calmed the storm by saying, peace, be still. I want you to listen to the Father this morning. I want you to listen to him as he's saying, peace, be still. What about miracles of transportation? Like when Jesus walked on water, Elisha was caught up, or Elijah was caught up into heaven in a chariot of fire. What about miracles of communication? Like when God made a donkey speak, or like the gift of prophecy, or even speaking in tongues? You see, miracles are usually God responding to a problem someone has. Problems are an opportunity for the creator to get creative. You might think your problems are too big, even for God. But don't forget that Luke chapter 18 verse 27 says this, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Church, hear me this morning. Please hear me. You are loved. You are cared for by the creator of the universe. You have the creator of the universe on your side. For if God is for us, then who could be against us? Your miracle is waiting 1 John 4 4 states, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You are children of God, heirs of Christ, and as heirs we must stand firm in who we are. Not fear, and you've got to resist the adversary. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6-8 states, therefore... 
I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) While his attacks are never easy, we must always be reminded of who we are in Christ. Now listen to this. When the enemy sees you, a son or daughter of God, when he sees you coming his way, church, he's shaking. He's shaking. He's not shaking at you, though. He is shaking at the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Don't let Satan distract you from the purpose that God has placed on your life. When you're going through hard times, it's important to come to the altar, but don't stay where you are. Don't let your situation become your destination. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. You've got to walk in the authority that the Lord has given you. Luke chapter 10 verse 18 through 20 says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Now, did you hear that? He's, he's admitting the spirits submit to us. But he's also warning us, don't rejoice. Because you need to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You shall receive power. This is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. And in all of Judea and Samaria. And to the end of the earth. That power came from God. That power comes from God. To fulfill the assignment that he has asked you to do. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 3 through 6, Paul wrote these words. He said, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Nothing that we can do here on earth will take care of the enemy. We have to fight with spiritual resources, spiritual tools, spiritual weapons. So the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments with every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Church, there is power 
in being an heir of Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power to break those strongholds in your life. Power to move those mountains. Power to restore those broken relationships. Power to restore your finances. The adversary knows that according to Romans chapter 8 verse 1, that there's no condemnation for those in Christ. He knows that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. He knows, listen to me, he knows that in the end, we win. And he loses. Can I get an amen? In the end, he loses. And we win. And what a shame that the enemy would know more about your potential than even you do. What a shame. Now we can discuss the importance of resisting the adversary all day long. But how do we protect and fight back as a soldier for Christ? Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives us clear instructions on how to guard ourselves. I'm sure you've heard it before, but we're going to read it again. It's called the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 states, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Who? Be strong in who? The Lord. And in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Notice that Paul had a specific word that he used for that. The schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against each other. We wrestle against him. The prince of darkness. And it's important for you to say, Satan, get under my feet. Because you have no power. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Verse 14 states, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Church, righteousness, right living. When you become right living, you become a vessel, a vessel for the Holy Spirit to protect you, to minister to you better. What is a breastplate? protect. So back in the day, the Roman army, right, had breastplates. It would protect the heart. So the breastplate of righteousness protects your spiritual heart. Holiness is your breastplate. And as the, shoe for your, the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I want to pause there. You can ask my wife. 
in preparation for today's sermon, we have seen spiritual warfare on a level that we haven't seen in a while. Even last night, I got sick at four o'clock. And I was like, oh no, Pastor Bob's out of town. I'm the one who's preaching. What do we do? Can't do like we do in children's ministry. We're like, oh, let's have a movie night. No. I mean, I guess you could. I don't know. But what do you do? I guess Jessica would just have to have a full service of worship. And then she would be like, Ethan, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> that would be terrible. But I said, in the name of Jesus, sickness, flee. Every time I try prepping for this sermon, I kid you, a distraction after distraction after distraction. And I'm talking spiritual distractions that were dark. How are you supposed to sit there and do your sermon, write your sermon, write what God's trying to tell you, when you've got ding, 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 all of these, all the spiritual warfare raging on. <coughs> but God prevailed. And so when we take up the shield of faith, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Then verse 17 says, take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. The word of God. Then verse 18 states this. This is a, all of it's super important. But let me tell you something states that prayer is also vitally crucial. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit and with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Pray. You have to pray. <laughs> when I was younger and I went through those trials I faced, it was prayer that caused heaven to come to earth. That caused God to meet me where I was. To deliver me from darkness and change everything. It was through prayer that allowed him to show me a love that I had never experienced before. It was a prayer that God came down and performed a miracle right there in my life. He brought me out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And it all started with me looking up to the heavens and saying, Jesus, this is beyond my control. Jesus, I need you. And in that moment, it was at vacation Bible school, ironically, I felt heaven come to earth. I felt Jesus walk into the room and there was an anointing. Oh, I can still feel it to this day. An anointing that changed everything. Everything. Second Chronicles 7.14 states, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and and seek, seek, not just pray, but seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Friends, 
God will heal the land in your life. God will restore what is broken, both in your personal life, here in America, and here in the world, one way or another. It's through prayer. It's by abiding in him that we will receive power to counteract the fiery arrows of the enemy. Abiding literally means to stay or remain. It's like when the scripture says to pray without what? Ceasing. To abide in the Lord means that we continually receive, continually believe, and trust that Jesus is everything we need. What the world has to offer means nothing. Matter of fact, what the world has to offer will just leave you down, down, lead you down a path of absolute darkness. It's through abiding in him. As disciples, our faith will always be put to the test, but we must abide in him. It's through abiding in him that we will spark those moments that exist on that higher dimension. Moments that invoke a supernatural, a mysterious, and an unseen ally. Our God, everybody look, point to the heavens and say, our God, our God has the power to rewrite history. Has the power to rewrite your history. It has the power to transcend time. Our God defies all logic. Through prayer, we create a space for heaven to touch earth. And when it touches earth, when it touches us, when Jesus walks into the room, hearts will be healed. The blind will see the dead will be raised. The storms in your life will be calmed. Sins forgiven. And your mountains will be moved. Your circumstances will change when Jesus walks into the room. Those relationships that are broken, they will change. Again, that job that you lost and you're financing, their finances that are suffering... Jesus can change it all. That brokenness that you are feeling so deep inside can be resolved. That depression and confusion that you're going through can be turned around if you keep your eyes focused on the Lord. It's when you take your eyes off of Him that's when trouble starts. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Take up that armor of God. I'm going to go through it one more time. Take up that armor of God because the weapon formed, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Make sure again that you have that belt of truth, that breastplate of righteousness, which is the holiness, and your shoes on your feet being put ready to be given the gospel of peace. Again, take up the shield of faith. Believe that you are who God says you are.
heirs of Christ. Take on that helmet of salvation. Stand firm. If you've given your heart to Jesus today, stand firm on it and be like, I know who I am. I've given my heart to Christ. Nothing else matters. Take the sword of the Spirit. Church, I'm telling you right now, your Bible, God's holy word, is your map. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And with it, and with the rest of the armor of God, you can conquer anything. When God walks into the room, storms will be calmed. So when we start playing instrumental, those sins again will be forgiven. And your mountains will be moved. Amen, church? Amen. So if you're here today, and you're thinking to yourself, man, There's no way I can be forgiven or, man, these mountains are just too much. I want to encourage you. Take a leap of faith. Be courageous. And come to the altar where you are. But don't leave where you are. Don't allow your situations determine your destination. Come. Come. Take that act of faith. Father God, we pray over every single person in this room, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would move within their spirits. That you would transform their hearts, Father God. And that you would meet them where they are, Father. God, you are holy. And if you are for us, then who can be against us? God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would administer to us. God, we pray over those broken relationships. We pray over those broken marriages. We pray over the finances. We pray over those who are hurting. And maybe they lost a loved one and they feel like, I don't know what to do. And have given up hope. We pray over those who are suffering from the lies of the enemy. Because Father, you have everything in control. We pray as these, as your children, when they leave today, we ask, Lord God, that you would meet them where they are. That you would give them the boldness to say, Satan, get under my feet. For you have no power. For I am an heir of the one true king. We honor you, Jesus, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father God, we ask that you protect every person in here.
pray again as they're about to leave, Father, that they would take the boldness, knowing who they are in you, and take it out to this lost and dying world. Lord, this world is trying so hard to move us in the wrong direction. We pray that you wouldn't allow these distractions to hinder the calling that you have placed on our life. Lord, we praise you, and we love you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Friends, before you go, I just want...